All right, guys, we're in our series in Genesis called New Beginnings, and last week we saw a very sad story of a failed new beginning in the story of Cain and Abel. I mean, this, this desperation for a hope that becomes unrealized in the story of Cain, but yet that story ended with a new hope, and today we are looking at, see, it was a false new beginning, in Cain. But today we're seeing a true new beginning in the story of Noah and specifically Noah's walk, walk with God. That's the key thing, his walk with God. That's what we're talking about today, walking with God. And it, it simply means this, walking with God creates in your life multiple new beginnings over and over and over again, where you're discovering God in a whole new way over and over again. It's bringing deeper and more life into your soul, into your heart, and into your very being. And I wonder how many new beginnings you have missed out on because God was pushed to the side. And I, I wonder if today could be one of those moments with you and God where your faith becomes awakened in him in a way that it has not yet happened. No matter where you are with God, there's always a greater new beginning that he can bring into your life. And, and okay, let me tell you this. So I'm going to read these verses. And when I read these verses, you are going to be tempted to look at something that we're not looking at today. There's a part where you're going to really see God's judgment. And what I want to tell you today is to ignore that part because we're going to talk about it next week. And when I read it, there's going to be a part in your heart and in your soul that feels very uneasy about what you are hearing. And I want you to know this. God also feels uneasy about judgment, yet he is the judge. And this sounds very strange. And you say, what does that mean? Well, you're going to have to come next week to figure it out. Okay? Because that's next week. This week is you and God walking together. That's what we're thinking about. That's what I want. That's what your focus is. That's what I want you to be thinking about. You and God walking together. Okay, here's our verses. Genesis 6, 5 through 9. The Lord saw, but, and by the way, we saw with the story of Cain and Abel, this downward spiral. I got into it and I came out of it. Uh, this downward spiral of Cain and Abel. And here we see it just continuing to spiral downward until Noah. So the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I've created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, Blameless in his generation, Noah walked with God. The question for today is this. Did Noah walk with God because he was righteous, or was he righteous because he walked with God? Did Noah have favor with God because he was righteous, or was he righteous because he had favor from God? See, the order is incredibly important, and it's likely 
that you have something inside of you that keeps messing up the order. It's likely that you've gotten it wrong, and here's what that means. You miss out on experiencing God when you get this order wrong. And the scary thing is that we have this urge to live in the wrong order, and it's corrupting us. And it's not just corrupting us, it's stealing God away from us because we get this order wrong. So I want to tell you the order, and I want to help you fix what you're doing, what I'm doing, what all of us are doing. The, and, and, and here's where we got to start. This word righteousness. The average person does not understand this word righteous. So I don't want you to be average anymore. I want you to be special. So I'm going to tell you what this word righteousness means. And it's very, very important that you understand what it means. It actually means three things. So typically you think righteous means like you're living, a, you're living good. Uh-uh. Righteousness means three things. First, to be righteous is first, it's to be declared righteous. Second, it's to be becoming righteous. And third, it means that you will one day become righteous fully. So it's past, present, and future. You're declared righteous. You're becoming righteous. And you will one day be righteous. And all of this, we have to start here. All of this starts, the beginning of it, starts with faith. Faith kickstarts this righteousness that we're talking about. Okay, so look, look, Hebrews 11.7, it says that Noah became an heir of righteousness through faith. Okay, so here's how you get it wrong. You believe that if you obey God, he's going to accept you. But actually, it's his acceptance of you that produces obedience in you. You think that if you change, you can walk with God. But actually, it's you walking with God that changes you. Did you hear that? You think that if you'll change, then you get to walk with God. But actually, it's walking with God that changes you to the core. And it all starts with faith. So what is faith? I'm going to throw some definitions of faith to you. First, it's to trust God more than yourself. It's you giving yourself over to God. Like, we're like this. We're holding on to our lives, and it's to just simply say, okay, I'm not holding on to my life anymore. I am now God's. He can have me, and he can do with me whatever he wants to. It's a belief that he can care for you better than you can care for you. It's a belief that says, I'm going to put myself, God, in your hands. I am now yours. Faith is this also. It's to lose yourself in him. Did you hear that? To lose yourself in him, and then by losing yourself in him, you actually discover who you actually really are. But first you have to lose yourself in him. Or this one. Faith is not to rely on yourself for you to get what you want, but to trust him that he will give you the life that you would want if you knew everything that he knew. Did you hear that? I'm going to say that one again. Faith is to not rely on yourself to get the life that you want, but to trust him that he will give you the life you would want if you knew everything that he knew. So, for example, if I offered my one-year-old daughter either a $10 million check or my cell phone, she's going to pick my cell phone every single time because for whatever reasons, one-year-olds love cell phones. In fact, if you lose your cell phone today, it's likely that she's pickpocketed you and she has taken it back to our house. So if you lose your cell phone... It could be my daughter, but look, here's the point. 
God is offering us a check of infinite worth. We keep grabbing this phone or whatever it is. In other words, my daughter doesn't trust me that she should take this $10 million check the same way that we don't trust God that he could take care of us and do something with our lives that's far better than we could have dreamt up. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things that are unseen. And then, watch this. Jesus is talking and he takes a mustard seed and he says, faith is like a mustard seed. Now, here's the significance of that. That means that it's not about the quality of your faith, but the quality of the person that you have faith in. If mustard seed is small, meaning your faith can be small, but if you have this small, tiny faith, but the faith is in the quality of someone who is so wonderfully magnificent, then that means it actually has does not matter how, how great your faith is. It matters how great the quality of the person that you're having faith in is. That makes sense. Think about it like this. Imagine there's a king, and this king says to a beggar and to a rich man, I, I, I know the greatest land there has ever been or ever will be, and I want to take you there. So this is like an old, long time ago. So he says, come up on in, into the carriage and we can go there. And, but you have to give everything. You have to leave it all behind and just come with me. Just follow me, but leave everything else behind. And the journey starts right now, so come right now. So you got a beggar and you got a rich man. Now you can imagine that it would actually be harder for the rich man because the rich man has to leave everything behind. But for some reason, this rich man sees something in this king and he trusts him and he's excited and he's delighted. And so he jumps up into that carriage. But, but the poor man, the beggar, the beggar isn't leaving a lot behind, but the beggar has been burned. The beggar doesn't trust people. And so he very reluctantly says, ah, okay, I'll, I will get into this carriage and I will go on this journey with this king to this new land. Now listen, the rich man went in there excited and his faith gave him great joy. The other man was very reluctant. However, both arrive at the same destination. Why? Because the quality of the person they put their faith in, not because of the quality of their faith. Both of them could be seen as fools for what they're doing. But they had faith in the right person. Both arrive at the same destination. And along the way, these men find reassurance in this king because they see how wonderful he is, they see how powerful he is, they see how loving he is, how gracious he is, how merciful he is. Why is Noah so special above everybody else? What has he done? Nothing. He simply believed. He simply had faith. He simply was willing to get on board. He looked like a fool to the world, yet he built the ark. The question is, will you build that ark with faith? Are you? Will you risk seeming foolish? Because everything for Noah in this moment probably is not making sense. One, it had never rained upon the earth at this point. So, Noah's probably thinking, how is there going to be a flood? This seems strange, but, but not even that. Noah's seen like a crazy person. Why? Because he's building this ark. 
So what's going to happen to him? Well, he could potentially waste years of his life on this project of building the ark, and so that's a wasted life, if, yet he does it by faith. Or everybody seeing him thinks he's ridiculous. But So that, here's what that means. It's ruining his reputation, and it's going to ruin his family's reputation from generation to generation to generation. He's ruining his life, but yet he still takes the risk by faith. And it proves to be the right move. He knew the risk. The question is, would you build the ark by faith? Are you willing to risk seeming foolish to the world because of your faith? Are you willing to risk wasting years of your life serving God, doing things that he's calling you to do that could potentially be a waste of time if there is no God and if Christianity is not true? But yet, by faith, you say, I'm willing to take the risk because I believe. That's what faith is. And then along the way, you meet the king, and you see his power, and his majesty, and his glory, and his mercy, and his grace, and his tenderness, and you say, oh, man, I've made the right decision. So, faith. But faith is particularly in something. Here, this is the important part. Faith in God, yes, but faith in what about God? That he is going to make you righteous. That he is giving you the gift of a past righteousness, you've been declared righteous, of a present righteousness, meaning you're being changed, and then a future righteousness. Okay, so first you start with faith, and then the first thing we're going to look at now is the declared righteousness, meaning you have a new record. So here we go. First Noah is given favor in God's eyes. That is to say that God sees him as declared righteous by faith, not in anything that he has done. We see this later in Abraham where it says, in in Genesis 15, it says, God counted to him righteousness because of his faith. That's it, simply because of his faith. His record of wrongs has been wiped. Why? Because of his faith. And and by the way, okay, so here's where it's getting really good. This is all pointing forward to Christ. The Christian, listen, the Christian is declared righteous, not by the things that the Christian has done, but because of the things that Christ has done on the Christian's behalf. The key is that it's on Christ's behalf. So in Philippians, Paul, so Paul's the writer of Philippians, and Paul's this amazing man, and here's what he does in Philippians. He says he's talking like crazy talk, but he does it anyways, and he has this list. He, Paul has this list of all these accomplishments he's done. He has this list of all the great things, this great man that he is, and he lists them out. And then he says, I count everything great that I have done in my life as rubbish, which is like a slang word for feces. And he says, I count it all as rubbish so that I might take the record of Christ. Let's say, let's take the same scenario, the, the rich man and the beggar. The king says, if you want to be perfect, come with me. I have papers for you. I have papers that declare that you are righteous, that you have a clear record. Now, let's say that there's a third man in this story. And this third man says, you know what? No, I don't want these papers that declare that I'm righteous. I'm going to go earn my righteousness on my own. 
And so this king, go, or this guy says, no, I don't want the king. I'm going to go to this land on my own, and I'm going to work my way into this land by all of the good things that I do. So this guy goes on this journey towards this great land, and he's racking up all these great things that he's been doing. He's helping the poor. He's tithing to the church. He's doing everything he's supposed to do, and he's feeling pretty good. And he gets to the gates of this new land, and there's a man there waiting for him to see if he's going to get in. And so he approaches this land where the gate is, and the man says, where are your papers? And he says, papers? What is this? Paper talk? I don't know what this is. Ah, he must be talking about all the good things that I've done in my life. And he very proudly makes a list, takes, takes it, and hands it to this man at the gate. And the man at the gate says, hold on. This is not what I'm talking about. This is a list of all the things that you've done good in that world. But the man at the gate says, you're an heir to the world where you came from, not an heir of the king. You're not an heir of righteousness. righteousness. You're an heir of all the things that you have done. The beggar says, but wait, or not the beggar, the the third man. He says, look look at all, all that I've done. And the man at the gate says, you don't understand. When you live in the world, even the good things that you do are riddled with an evil underneath it. They're riddled with you doing it for your own selfish ambition. They're riddled with you doing it for you and not for others. You and, and the, the, man, the man at the gate says to the man that's trying to get in, you wanted the satisfaction of getting what you earned. That's the way of the world that you are from. But the way of the new world is to receive the gift of righteousness from the king as a gift, not something that you earn. The gift of a new record, new papers. The, the old world, you're unable to be accepted by the things that you have done in this old world that you were from. So you know what he says? The man at the gate says, go back to your old world and claim your reward. Go tell people all that you've done and they will see you and that will be your reward and that is it. But the man at the gate says, but there's also something else you could do. You could go back to the king and by faith ask for a righteousness that he will give you, a declared righteousness. But you know what this man does? He can't do it. He would rather go back to this old world and rot than go to this new world and not earn getting there. And you say, well, that sounds really strange. Why won't he take the gift? The answer is pride. And that pride is probably ruling your life more than you realize. Let me ask you this. Why do you have such a hard time forgiving? Why do you have such a hard time being gracious to people? even though you know you need to be forgiven, even though you want people to be gracious to you. Why is it so hard for you? I'll tell you why. Because there's a pride inside of you that says you better earn your way to the rest of the world. But to you, you say, be gracious to me though. But to the rest of the world, you say, you better earn your way. That's the not the way of the new world and that's not the way of heaven. So when you come to God. Listen to me. Listen. When you come to God at the end of your life, 
You either bring your record or Christ. And you have to pick one. Which one will you pick? If you're going to pick Christ's record, his perfect record, here's what that means. You have to take all the good things that you have done in your life and you have to count them as rubbish, like Paul says. The slang for feces, meaning you've got to take all the good stuff that you've done and you've got to throw them in the toilet, flush it down the toilet, never to be seen again. And as soon as you come to God and you say, God, but look at the good stuff that I've done in my life, as soon as you do that, you forfeit Christ's record because now you're relying on your own record. It's so easy just to say, I believe. I'm trusting in Christ's record, yet it is the hardest thing that you will ever do. Why? Because that means you're giving up all of the good stuff that you've done in your life, and you're counting it as rubbish so that you can take Christ's record on your behalf and present that to God, not your own. Will you do it? Or have you already done it? That is the question. And because Noah is declared righteous by faith, here's the kicker here. Because Noah is declared righteous by faith, it means that he, has now, he now has access to God. It means that he can walk with God. And now that he can walk with God, guess what can happen? He can be changed. And this is how Noah is becoming righteous. And this is how we are becoming righteous by walking with God. It means this. You have this beautiful new record in Christ. It's like way up here. And as you grow and as you walk with God, you are changed every time you walk with God and you become more and more like the person you're one day made to become. And it means this. You're acting more divine. You're acting more of heaven. And it means the waters of corruption that are all around you. It says in Colossians 3 that you have been risen with Christ. So be with Christ. Be risen with Christ. And do the things that Christ would do, meaning you are above the waters of corruption, meaning you are on the ark, meaning you are away from these waters of death, and you're living a life in such a way that is of heaven. How is Noah being changed? By walking with God. When you come into the presence of someone as magnificent as God, you better believe that you're going to walk away changed. He's so wonderful that he can take the worst of us and turn us into the best of us. And the more time we spend with him in faith on that walk, the more we become changed into the stuff of heaven. And that's what happens to this rich man and this beggar along the way into the paradise, along the way into this new world that they're coming to. What happens to them is they're taking these walks with the king. And as they're taking these walks with the king, they're seeing his power and his love and his mercy, and they're believing him more. And as they believe in him more, their their quality of their faith increases, and so they're spending more time with him, and they're being changed by him. What does he say on these walks? Exactly what you need to hear. By his spirit, he's whispering to you, deep into your soul, but you hear it in your soul like rolling thunder, and it moves you, and it makes you say, ah, I am not who I know I'm meant to be. However, I have this declared righteousness from him, and I'm at peace now with God, so I want to go spend time with him, and you go spend time with him, and you walk with him, and you become changed. How do you walk with him? How do you walk with him? Again, 
It's something so simple, yet it feels impossible to do because this is a faith move. It's to say, it's worth more to me to spend time with him than it is for me to do anything else. And I'm going to make this the most important part of my day. That is a faith move. To walk with him, to spend time with him, is a move of faith. We say, oh man, but I'm so busy with all the stuff I have going on in my life. David, you don't understand. I have kids, and we have sports that we've got to get to, and we've got these activities we've got to go to, and I've got to have my own time too, and I've got to have some you know, I got to work and then I got to do all this. And we have all this list of stuff that we've got to do. God goes to the bottom of it. And I want you to know that is a faith move, putting him to the bottom. What it's saying is that there are things in this world that are far more important than him. And that is a faith move saying that God is at the bottom of the list. And so what happens is we put him at the bottom. And so we spend less time with him. And by spending less time with him, we remain unchanged. And we wonder why. The obsession of our culture today is growth. All you got to do is take a walk with God and he's going to change you. But we don't believe that is true. And so we spend our time doing other things instead of walking with him. I'm, I'm just going to tell you this and I don't, want you to, I don't want this to become legalistic and I don't want this to become like you put a timer on, but I'm telling you, you probably need an hour a day with God. In the word in prayer, just quiet time with God. And we're like, oh man, I don't have time for this. I, you don't if your faith tells you that you don't. But if you will spend time with him, you will, you will become changed by him. This is about making space for God. This is about rhythms in your life. So reading the Bible, prayer, this is your own personal time with God. That's a rhythm that you have set up in your life so that you're spending time with him. And by doing that, you're becoming more righteous. You're becoming more of the person that you've been made to become. This word righteous or righteousness is getting a bad rap. It just simply means you're becoming more of who you're made to become. And this right now, you're here right now. This was a faith move for you to come here. Because you're saying, it is worth it for me on Sunday when I could be just sitting at home. It's worth it for me to come here and listen to God's word, to have God's word spoke into my soul, and then for me to sing out from my soul to God. That's a faith move. The question then is, is your, are your eyes open to what God is doing right now in this moment? Do you really believe as you're sitting where you're sitting, that God is doing work in your soul right now. It's a faith move to say yes. And by saying yes, you open up this space with God where you can experience him and then you experience him and you're changed by him. That's why faith, there's a place in Romans where it says from faith to faith, meaning you're, you're believing in God, like he's declared you righteous. But now you're saying, I also believe that if I spend time with God, I'll be changed by God. And so I'm, by faith, I'm going to go spend time with God. And then you become changed by him. Or in your gospel communities, these communities that we have where we're together, we're seeking God. And we say, oh man, David, that sounds like a lot of stuff. And then I just, I have to say it because it's my job to say it because I want to say it. You have little faith. 
What you're saying in this moment is that it's not worth it for me to give up the things that I'm doing in the world to come and spend time with God and together with a community of people to, find, to, to just build our lives around God. You're saying it's, there's not enough time in my day for that. There's stuff that's more important for me to do than to do that. That is a faith decision. And it, what, I, what I want you to see is that that is you putting faith in something in this world that is worth more of your time than God is. And this is not me trying to make you feel guilty. This is me pleading with you, make space for God in your life. And if you do, you're going to be very happy that you did. And look at this. You go on these walks with God. Not only are you changed, but the people in your life become changed by your faith. Look at what happened to Noah's family. Noah's family, by Noah's faith, entered into the ark. Then they get to experience the work of God because of Noah's faith. And so, uh, parents, I want you to know your kids are watching you, and you are making faith moves in front of your kids, and you're telling your kids things that are more important or what is most important for them in their life. Each and every decision that you make is always a faith move. What are you communicating to your kids? What are you communicating to the people around you? Because it's a faith decision, whatever it is. And lastly, your faith will one day make you fully righteous. Meaning you will become exactly who you're made to become one day. Noah's faith saved him from the waters of death, from the waters of corruption, raised him up above those waters for all of eternity to be with God. This is a vision that we have for us. Colossians 3, 4 says that when Christ appears in all of his glory, we will become like him. Meaning we're going to see him exactly as he is. See, we've been going on these walks with the king, but there's another walk that you are made for. And you'll finally, on that walk, you will finally enter into the new world. And it will change you in an instant because you've been traveling with the king. But he's still, there's part of him that's still a mystery to you. There's part of him that you don't fully understand yet. And there's going to come a day when you see him in all of his glory. And when that happens, you will be changed in an instant to become who you're made to become. When you pass through the waters of death, on the other side, he raises you up out of those waters. And you're with him and you're changed by him. And then you will find yourself in the ultimate new beginning. In the Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis attempts to give us this picture of eternity. And Aslan the lion is depicted as Christ in the story. And here's what he says. As the resurrected Aslan, who's the lion, who's depicting Christ, as he, as he spoke, he no longer looked at them like a lion. And then here's the thing. But the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us... This is the end of all stories. The last walk, you might say. And we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after, but for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. 
all their life in this world, just talking about you, all your life in this world and all your adventures had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they, you, were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Dream of those days. Dream of them. And then what you're going to do is you're going to find yourself going to God and saying to God, God, are you ready for that walk? And he's going to say, I've been waiting for you to ask. And on that walk, you will meet with your Savior. And you will find him much different than Noah. Because Noah, his righteousness, do you know what it did? It condemned the world. It showed the world how corrupt it was. Jesus' righteousness will not condemn you. Jesus' righteousness will rescue you. Why? Because when he, on the cross, the perfect son, asked his father to go on a walk with him, he got hell instead. So that we could get that eternal walk that starts now. Go take a walk with God. Father, we pray now that that those God, I pray that if anybody is here right now and they're and they're feeling compelled to just go to you for the first time or go to you in a whole new way again, God, I pray right now that you would pull them fully towards you. That the part of them that's wanting to run from you right now, God, I pray that you would wrap them up and take them with you. And that you would hold their hands so that they will go on this walk with you. So that they will see that you are really who you say that you are. And God, I pray that you would awaken all of us to this need to go and spend time with you. To go on these walks with you every single day. That we would by faith believe that that's the best move for our lives. And God, I pray that, that when the part of us that says, I don't even know how to do this, God, I pray that you would just tell us how, that you'd give us the wisdom, that you give us the courage, the risk to just say, I'm just going to go and spend time with God, and I don't even know what that looks like, God, but I want you to show me what it could look like. God, just take us on this walk. God, do not let us go. Do not let us escape you. God, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.